Hi, folks. Welcome. Uh, this is another edition of Why It Matters. My name is Tracy Kronzak. I'm Director of Innovation here at Now It Matters. I'm Tim Lockie. Uh, thanks for joining us. I'm CEO here at Now It Matters. The uh, way that I want to tee up our conversation mm -hmm. today is slightly different than we've done in the past. Uh, our guest, Durrell, is someone we've already heard from once, and he's got the distinguishing fact of being the first person we've had twice on Now It Matters. And why that is, is because we talked a lot about the Microsoft nonprofit tech acceleration at, you know, the last time we recorded. After we turned off the recording, Darrell made one comment and said, ah, by the way, everyone, I'm going to have me back to talk about being black in tech. I'm game for it. Uh, and we remembered that. So here we are with Darrell again. And it's an important moment for both everything that's going on in our world, including the anniversary of the George Floyd protests. But it's also an important moment to understand that there's a lot of context around what it means to be any form of underrepresented in IT. And my only hope for today is that for folks listening, what you get out of this is deeper context than you generally have an exposure to at any level of operating in the world of IT. And that's it. Uh, I don't know, Tim, if you have anything to add, but I want to throw it over to you, Darrell, to sort of kick us off, maybe update us on what's going on and tell us you know, tell us, I guess, start with telling us like that comment, what was going wow. through your head in that comment? Wow. And we'll start there. Well, well, thank you both for having me. Uh, once again, my name is Darrell Booker, AKA your techie's favorite techie. Uh, AKA I was told I'm a computer person with a mission, uh, and, and, and some other title that, that, that I love to use. Um, but I don't know. I, I think what came out of that conversation is this is something that I've been saying for a while. And, um, you know, when I look out into, uh, say, the tech community, um, I don't I don't have any role models in the tech community uh, that that look like me. Uh, let's say that uh, I'm not saying that they're not any. Uh, uh, listen to what I'm saying. What I'm saying is. Uh, there's no, we're not put in positions uh, to be able to be heard and to be able to give our opinions um, like I feel, say, white counterparts do. Um, and it's always been that way for me from, you know, the age of whatever, 12, 13, when I first got into it, there was no black person in tech that I looked up to. There was a, a, a huge period of time where I hid my geekness because it was not cool. It was not something to do. None of my other friends were doing. And, you know, they, you know, they couldn't relate to what I was doing because they too did not see uh, uh, that kind of role model. So I think what prompted me to say that is, you know, being thankful for you all in this platform to be able to have whatever conversation we have last time, but then also being able to have a platform to talk about some things that, you know, like you said, some people may be unaware of because they're not experiencing. Um, and, and, and also for, you know, all the other possible derails out there to let you know, hey, you're not alone. Uh, you know, uh, you know, 
how can we, you know, start to build some collective voice, you know, uh, if, if I can be, as we used this word last night, someone said, be a vessel. If I can be that vessel for understanding and things of that sort, uh, you know, I want to use this moment in time. Uh, sometimes you have a, a, a small window and you got to kind of capitalize on it now. And it's sad to say that, you know, as a black man, period in America, including tech, uh, you know, there's this notion of, uh, you got to hurry up and do something for that news cycle changes. Yes. You know what I mean? So when we think of the heels of the, you know, the anniversary of killing George Floyd, the attention, you know, this, this, that. I've never seen so many people with DNI titles in my life, like just out of the woodwork, like all this attention, all these programs, all these things, et cetera. You know, every black person, you know, older than the age of 14 or 15, is in not even that far in the back of their mind, but in the middle of their mind saying, this isn't gonna last that long. You know, the 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 attention and all this is not gonna last this long. So I say all that to say, you know, when I when I made that comment, it was like the our little window is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And if I have the opportunity to, you know, say something that someone hears that, you know, triggers something and triggers something, something. You know, I, I I just love the opportunity. So that's kind of, I guess, how we got back here today. There is like 50 things that I want to dig in on. <laughs> uh, I think, okay, so the two things that came top of mind as you were talking are, or one, you know, there's a little frustration there, right? And I think that is, you know, you're in a space where you're like, you know, it's relieving enough to be able to express the very real frustration that happens. Mm -hmm. And I think what I wanna dig into is the fact that the other thing that I have observed that I wanna see your you know, take on is that not only do we not have this sort of set of role models that you're talking about, but by the time somebody gets to the point where they could be a role model, two things seem to happen by my observation. One is they're exhausted, like literally exhausted because they're doing two jobs. And two, there's this crushing weight of the normative cultures and the normative performance metrics that operate around them that not only contribute to that exhaustion, but they also have to actually mimic in order to get where they need to be to be a role model for the next generation. I want to chime in, absolutely facts, the exhausting part. Uh, I know for me, you know, you get like, you know, those times I just kind of get defeated and be like, you know, you know, what am I doing this for? What is this? It's just, it's nothing's going to change. You know, you do get exhausted. Uh, Hey, you know, I, I I live for those moments when you know something happens that gives me that new that new that new energy on my back, and it's like I can go uh, off camera. I told y'all I was feeling great today. I feel like I'm on eight, I'm on cloud eight point five, and it's this ties in so much with what you said. I had a very impromptu conversation. This was so very impromptu conversation uh, with. Uh, someone relatively famous today. I, I have to tell you another time 
who that person is, how it happened. And after conversation, seeing something, whatever, they sent me a text message and they said, you're a real one too. Mm. And what they said by that is, is, is directly what your last comment was. Darrell, you're not out here doing these things and then conforming, you know, you're, you're having to do all the things and you're conforming to some model of a person just in order to get things done. You're saying to yourself, you know what? I'm going to be 100% me and be authentic as I can and genuine to be me. So back to your point, Tracy, yes, those that may end up getting, you know, elevated to, 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 to possibly be that visible role model, they're no longer real ones. You follow mm-hmm. what I'm getting at? Yes. They, they morphed into said other person. You know what I mean? So they, and, 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 and I guess for, you know, if we think of, uh, you know, the black community, I often say black and brown, I often, I often, you know, lump us together for, for a lot of reasons, you know, a lot of places around this country where I grew, you know, between black, Latinx, we were all together, you know, I'll tell you this real quick. I was talking to, to a guy and I asked him his ethnicity. He said, I'm Dominican. But before he can even barely get that out, he said, but Darrell, I'm black as you. And I was like, you, you know what? I know that because that that's how I grew up. So I kind of come with that mindset, uh, you know, uh, but I say all that to say, you know, within that community, we can spot those fake ones. So even if... Yes. It's it's almost like there's probably somebody listening to say, well, no, such and such is our role model in tech and such and such. And I could probably come back and say, no, nah, he, 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 he's fake. You know, she's fake. You know, they're, 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 they're not what, you know, uh, our community is really looking for or really, you know, need in some people that we can be able to say, you know what, uh, you know, they are showing me that there's a path. Uh, so, uh, we just, I don't know. We just need more, more, more platforms to be able to have the real ones be able to, uh, you know, uh, you know, really let the world know, you know, as a black community, what our struggles are, you know, what we need, uh, and how we can work together. Like, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, I feel myself going down a hole on some tangent or some other things. So I'm, I'm going to hold back a little bit. So. Well, if I could take a stab at it, like there's two things happening at the same time, right? Once mm-hmm. that person gets to that point, you know, suddenly whatever entities out there is like, look, we have a black executive. Look, look, we're putting our black executive right on the front lines. And that actually on a personal level also puts that person in a really hard place. Right. Right, Because you're like, great, you know, and, and, you know, as a sidebar, like I see this now happening in California with Caitlyn Jenner. Right. Mm -hmm. Because people are like, Oh, Tracy, look, like there's like, uh, you know, Caitlyn Jenner. And I'm like, okay, look, you don't know what that looks like on the inside of the LGBT community. You don't know (laughs) what, that actually means. Yes. Right. And I think what you're you're picking at, the second thing that I, I want to dig in on is what you're picking at is black is not a monolith. African American is not a monolith. Brown is not a monolith. But you know, right before we pressed record, we were talking about the idea that 
you know, white folks look at these communities and they're like, you're monolithic. Clearly you right. all must want the same thing. And by the way, we can only conceive of what you want within the framework of what feels safe and comfortable for us, for you to want as a black, brown, African-American person, right? Yes. But if you study the formation of social movements, you see very clearly there's intra community politics that never gets surfaced that adds an additional layer to how you're perceiving your work in your own job. Uh, so, so much facts. I mean, it, you know, oftentimes people will say, you know, hey, I get it. You know, I want to help, you know, and, 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 and in their mind, they're completely convinced. But once whatever that help is ultimately affects them, then it's no <laughs> longer, hey, you know, whoa, we don't want to go that far. You know, that, no, we're not we're not going to do that. And what you said is so true, because on the outside looking in and let's you know, get really clear, white America, black America outside looking in, you know, if, if, if it's white America saying, OK, we want to help. Like you said, there's this there's this picture or this idea conceived of how I we can help. You follow me getting that? Yep. And it's convinced to the level of I know this is how we help. This is this is it. This is how to do it. Once they start to get here and then find out to your point, because there are intra-community differences and said plan that you have isn't going to work exactly that way. You need to do some pivoting there's the fallback at that point. Yep. That is when the fallback happens. And, you know, it, it, it's really stemming from not enough of, you know, wanting to, and, and this is extending across all races, genders, sexuality, everything is not enough of just truly wanting to understand. Before you even come with what your fix is, understand, roll, roll up to the community, be there, Whatever you got to do, if you feel like you're not safe and you need to figure out some way to be safe and understanding whatever you got to do to be able to understand what is truly needed, do that and then come back with a proposed solution. Yeah. Can I, I mean, white I people say, wanting I to think... help is like Avatar, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's the plot in the movie Avatar. Sorry, right. Tim. Go ahead. No, no, that's fine. Um, and I, I just... I want to say as a person that is going to never escape my whiteness, uh, <laughs> I just don't see that ever happening. And I also don't feel like I need to. Uh, actually, what I want to do is exactly what you're talking about, is to learn how to understand. Right. What I find is that, uh, and Tracy has been a tutor to me for years in this, is helping me in, in that understanding process not have to hold power as mm. I'm doing the understanding, which mm. means you just have to constantly be telling yourself as a white person, like you, you, you know, you have to pay attention to intent versus outcomes and completely keep talking to yourself about, Hey, what you're looking for is an outcome that you care about. Right. And right. the, and the motivations to get there, and the outcomes have to just uh, sometimes just not be aligned for right. part of that. And you no. just have to kind of live in that tension that I find still really difficult. Um, 
you know, uh, and I just think that that's important for, as you're talking about learning how to understand and how to listen. I just think it's really important to do that well. And, and I'm going to say something. Uh, so, you know, when you think about learning to understand, the easiest way that I can think of it is, and, and I don't know, this is extremely acceptable on the larger scale. And I say that to say, um, I don't know, pick any foreign country really far and, you know, you wanted to, you know, do something or travel there or whatever. It's, it's this whole thing of, you know, let's go embrace the culture, you know, let's go to authentic places, let's talk to people, let's really get to that real understanding level around any and everything. And with super acceptance of the way they may dress or talk or eat, or we're so accepting of that. But when we look at this country, we don't even do that on that level. And it really, really, really just just grinds everything in me when uh, I'm get, get real here too is I feel like, and I think this really goes back to some deep shit years ago when in, in the hundreds of years ago, or however long ago, when, you know, Blacks were just seen as entertainment, you know? Dance for us, sing for yep. us, you know what I mean? And I'm gonna say something, and I don't care who disagrees with me, but I don't think a lot's changed with that. And I'm gonna tell you why. It grinds my soul every time when I'm bored, about to go to sleep, I pull up TikTok and I can see middle-aged white women dancing to the latest Meg Thee Stallion, this whatever, rapping certain lyrics from certain rappers, etc. It's cool to embrace the culture to that extent because it's, 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 it's entertaining for you and you're using it to entertain others. But, you know, can... Uh, I, can't even think of, I can't even think of anybody's name right now, but will you hire one of them if they rolled up at your job and you was in a hiring position? You know what I mean? Will, will yep. you do that? Are you acceptable if they come knock on your door and say, I want to take your daughter out for a date? You know, are you going to be cool if they became your next door neighbors? You know, all these things. And it, 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 it really still just really, you know, ups, upsets me that, you know, as as black people, we we we're not respected and valued for everything that we have, and not really seeing that you know, uh, you know who we are and our culture is okay, and that you know, uh, yeah, I, I I don't even know what I said. You're digging into something that I think is super important to call out. And that is, it's this minstrel show trope, right? And if you look at something like the history of jazz, if you look at something like the history of blues, jazz and blues arose because it was the only way of expressing that frustration, that anger, and then that sadness. And then it immediately got co-opted. Same yeah. thing, by the way, with hip hop. If you dig yep. into the early, you know, look at what happened in New York City with like the Cross Bronx Expressway, with like how that decimated the world in New York. 
the same thing happened, by the way. So what I hear you saying is sometimes, and not even sometimes, frequently, I only feel as valued in this world as I am able to perform for you digging into this trope that's existed for a hundred or more years. And by the way, this trope was created out of like the darkest period of American history because it was the only place where there was safety in the reconstruction. Yep. Yep. That's what I'm hearing you saying. And that is, so while you can be you, Mm. what it takes for you to be you is an enormous amount of blocking, maneuvering, and being (laughs) like, no way, no how am I going to accept this bullshit? And there's a price you pay. And if that price is not your career, it's your mental health and sanity. That's what I'm hearing you say. Facts, 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 facts. Yep, yep. There's a huge price you pay. You're you're exactly right. I, I couldn't have said it better. Couldn't have said it. Tracy, when you say when you say blocks and maneuvering, help help those of us who don't have to block maneuver. Um, spell out what that spell out what that looks like, because um, I think I know, but for people who may not, and that may include me, what does what does that mean? And, and I said Tracy, but yeah, uh, I think Darrell, well. you should answer this. Uh-huh. I, I can uh-huh. I can chime in, but you should answer. No, this. no, I want I want you to go, and then, and then I'm gonna go second. Go ahead. All right. I cannot speak from the black experience in America. I can very much speak from the gender queer experience in America. Right now, I made it. I, I mean, honestly, to be candid, I made it a fucking point mm-hmm. 10 years ago to be like, I'm not going to show up and be your traditional woman in tech. I wear men's clothing to meetings. I make it a point to wear a fucking tie. I feel better being me. And when I feel better being me, when I am able to express me, in all that that engenders, right? Clothing to pronouns to, you know, whatever, right? I perform better and I know I can do better. Now, the problem is, is that showing up like that engenders a discussion first about who I am and why I'm there that way before I can even perform. And in the context of a lot of IT culture, that discussion never progresses to the performance because people are like, got it. You're the diversity person. Let's talk about other stuff now. That's what blocking and maneuvering looks like to me because I actually had that moment of darkness at one point with the kids, unfortunately. And I was like, you know, I got my hair cut recently, right? I have this nice like A-line Bob thing going on, whatever, you know? And I said, if it weren't for the fact that I was trying to maintain my IT career through 55 or 60, I would fucking do an Annie Lennox 1984 haircut and never again wear women's clothing. But like, that's not going to get me where I need to be in my career, because then that makes the discussion about why am I doing that? Not what I'm able to offer you. So blocking and maneuvering for me looks like finding a compromise that works for other people, even though I know the things that work for me better are you know, available to me. 
well put and you know very similar blocking and maneuvering uh and, and i think what, the one thing you said that was so key is like you know you want to show up in a way that you know you feel the best and that then you can be your best person uh but you know when you feel like you got to go into a room and the odds are already stacked against you the second you walk in you following getting that Yep. For me, for me, it started, I, I had uh, like a, a double whammy and stuff because, you know, full time at what, age of 17, full time job in tech, you know, working with the state, 17. So you I'm black and you had a full time job at 17 working tech. It's full time job at 17. You started coding, correct? Yep. Yep. At, That's yep, what I thought. At, yep. At, at, at 17, you know, full benefits. And and all of the people that were around me were, you know, at least more than twice my age. You know what I mean? It's the state. If you ever worked at a state agency, it's like, it's literally hard to get fired. Like, you can stay there until you literally kill over. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's so many people that are there. So, it's like, I'm young you know, I'm black and, you know, having to feel like I have to just, you know, come in as this, this, this perfect figure or thing that, you know, that they're looking for, because I already know there's some things that I can't, I can't change. And these, so these are two things that are already against me the second I walk in the room, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, it got to a time, and I don't know if you said Tracy's 10 years, I think you said 10 years or something you, you, you mentioned, that it came a point for me that I realized it was two things. One, what the hell am I doing all this for conforming? Because at the end of the day, it ain't really still even making that much difference, you know? God, I'd, yes. You get I'd those moments of darkness. Yeah, it's like I, 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 I'm doing all this and I still ain't getting to where I need to be. So I might as well just show up for myself. And then I think also for me, and this is what I really when I really like to talk to young people and I hear this is, you know, once you get to that point of confidence around who you are, what you have up here, you know, it really starts to, you know, uh, you know, change your thinking of. Uh, you know, being your 100% and authentic self. You know what I mean? I, I used to have an argument with someone all the time because you especially you're not in tech and it's like, you know, tech is that one field, you, one field you start to, you know, dress down. You know what I mean? And I got to the point and no offense anyone, I didn't want to wear the white man uniform anymore. The, you know, the blue yep. shirt with the khaki pants. I didn't want to wear that. That's not me. You know what I'm saying? So I started to wear like, all right, or, you know, whatever that was, or they can come with t-shirts. I can come with t-shirts and, you know, you can come with sneakers. I can come with sneakers. They gonna look different, but they sneakers. You know what I mean? So once I started to, to, to kind of start to say to myself, you know what, if everybody else can show up to be them, I need to, I can show up and start being me. You know what I mean? And it, it and you mentioned something about your mental, it plays some fucking mental games with you you know what i mean i feel like out of work i'm a different person but then i gotta go to work and be someone else you know um as i as, I, as y'all look and see fully i don't see this sleeves oh, yeah. whatever so <laughs> yeah. the evolution of me and you know fuck the blocking and moving maneuvering is you know tattoo all tattoos i had were under shirts you couldn't see them you know what that's i mean that's right that's right you know you know and then I never forget this very first one I got this really small that was in honor of a 
uh, one of my homies that died. It's my very first one. This little, it just four, uh, six letters says L-T-B-E-D, which stands for live the dream every day. And it's here because it's something I want to remember as I get up and go hard every day. But when I just had this little one, I was self-conscious. Like that first time I had to have a short sleeve one and this tattoo, because you want to know why? Young, black man, and now he got tattoos. Like, oh my God. Like, you know what I mean? It's it and it and it it it, it fucks with you so much, but then it got to that point to where it's like, I'm not gonna let others you know, do this to me, make me feel a certain way. If you value me and my skills and what I have to bring, what I got on my arm, as long as it's not offensive, which it isn't, should mean a hill of beans to what we about to do on this computer, you know, or what we about to build or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, yeah, uh, and it's, I mean, it's still, it's, it still continues to this day. Uh, and, you know, I mean, for all of us, including me, um, and, you know, even though I feel like I have a lot of experience in, in saying, you know, uh, you know, I'm going to be very much, you know, authentic, and I, I try to do that every day, but it's still those little bit of times when, like, you know what I mean? I got, I got to do a little bit of that blocking and maneuver, just because, so. I had a colleague um, when I was working at a previous job, I'm not going to say who or where, but we had a ritual, uh, and she was very highly placed, like very highly placed at this organization. And I wasn't, I, I had just started and, um, but yet we experienced the same frustrations, uh, with the same people and the same circumstances. And we fell into a rhythm where we would go to one of these tiny little offices that's like maybe even half the size mm. of the room that I'm in now, close the door and just like scream and fucking shout and just mm -hmm. like let it all out, mm -hmm. right? And just mm -hmm. be like, I can't fucking believe so-and-so did that, what mm -hmm. the? Like, and the problem is, is that when you're not experiencing those frustrations, you don't need those moments. Mm -hmm. And what I hear you clearly pointing out is that, you know, black in tech is still a performance until people stop making assumptions about the black experience. Mm. Uh, and, and that black experience is just as wide and deep. You know, you made some comments about like your friend who's from the Dominican Republican, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Who's like, I am just as black as you, right? That's a thing. That's the mm -hmm. Afro-Caribbean experience as related to Latinos and the historically black community in America, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I am benefit of the fact that I have black Republican friends who are actually super involved in the party. And that is a whole nother layer mm. of what it means to be black in America and what they tell me about. And, you know, I was riding on the chairlift with one of them this year who was just absolutely in tears because he's like, I have believed in this party and Trump is killing me, mm. you know? And, you know, what we assume to be is not how everybody is able to show up. So the question I have is, let's assume that there's CEOs or SVPs or, or you know, anybody listening to this. Mm -hmm. What do you tell a white CEO 
that actually needs to change that you can't say in that performance framework? What do they need to do different? Oh, wow. Uh, I mean, it, it's a little bit of a laundry list. Um, Go for I it. Mean, I, I think in the organization, you know, representation is, is kind of first. Uh, if, you, if you're not having enough of that diverse workforce, I don't even know if you can even do anything once you start to address that. Because what CEOs a lot of times uh, are under the false assumption is they can solely make a proclamation and then they're expecting that it's getting all the way down to the, to the little guy. And when you have all of this middle management, which is the same good old boy network that was there before you made said proclamation, it, 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 it does nothing. It, it does nothing. And, you know, that is hands down the first thing that you need to address. And, you know, what does that look like? Is that really you know, saying, you know, oh, well, we can't just hire a bunch of people. Okay, well, maybe you need to take a hard look at organizational structures, you know. Is there someone that is Black that, you know, honestly can just be brought up a level, you know what I mean? And now they're in those peer conversations with said people that, you know, previously was giving them a lot of microaggressions and, and, and some oppression and all that. Now they're, now they're at this peer level. I mean, I think, you know, just even looking at, you know, where where you are, what your leadership looks like is hands down, you know, the the, the first thing. Um, oh man, and then it, it, it has to be, you know, a lot of genuine, and I don't even want to use the word dialogue, but, you know, just genuine understanding, uh, you know, and, and, and back to that embracing the culture. You know, the sooner, you know, uh, said CEO can understand what, you know, the demographic of his workforce, what matters to them, putting them first over profits or anything else, that's going to be when you actually see that change inside. And it's going to take a hard look. It's going to take, you know, looking at everything across the board. I just mentioned positions. You need to look at the salaries too. All right, I'm going to get on this one because, this is something that we as Black in tech struggle with is just uh, equal pay. And what I believe it stems from is, you know, tech is, is, is very much that kind of field where, uh, you know, it's, how can I put it? You know, you don't need a degree as long as you got the experience and you can get in and you can get a job and you can do these things. There's a lot of, you know, uh, unknown a lot of times into uh, what people actually do. And I say that to say, you know, say you're in this, in this position, you have a manager and whether that manager is a real techie or not, and then you have the team. And a lot of times that manager doesn't have a fucking clue as to what it really takes for those said tech people to do the job. They have no clue. You follow what I'm saying? Yep. So, because they don't have the domain expertise to inform their decision making. Right. So what ends up happening is, is you have really, really great black talent that is doing amazing work. They're working harder because we always got to prove ourselves. We're raising our hand, doing more. We're working longer hours. We're doing all the things that said a white counterpart. 
but this, but the, but but the pay looks drastically different, drastically different, and 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 that needs to be addressed asap because you know until you know we can feel like we are valued and and this even comes from me i'm gonna say this and i i put out a disclaimer i'm not talking about any particular current or former employer this is an aggregation of my 20 plus years in tech since the age of 17 but you know one of the most defeating things is getting up and going to work on a daily basis and you feel like you're not being valued and you feel like you're being taken advantage of. Hmm. And, and imagine the combo of that because you know good and well, you are doing unbelievable amount of work and you're not, you're, and, it's, and it's not about being rich, just value me and compensate me no different than you would anybody else. You know what I mean? And, and, and the fact that organizations don't take the, the necessary steps to correct it, it may be one of those situations someone came and said job and you didn't know, and maybe they're outperforming and they're doing more things. Well, you need to reevaluate because guess what? If you had now what that job looks like and the great work that that great black man or woman is doing, if you had to replace them and you brought in a white person to do that, they're going to demand to be at a certain salary. And guess what? You're going to give it to them. No question. Because you're going to look at them and you're going to say, yeah, 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 you do deserve that. But you got a person in the road doing it, but you don't want to give it to them. It makes absolutely no sense. The peer level thing for folks who may not be familiar with how large entities work. Um, this isn't a small business thing where everybody's kind of like rolling up their right. sleeves and doing work. The peer level thing is incredibly important, I think, for folks to understand. And that is, there's a hierarchy in pecking order and your title opens up doors to getting your work done. And what you're talking about is a phenomenon known as under-leveling, where mm -hmm. it's like, well, we got, you know, Darrell or Tracy as a manager, like they should be fripping grateful that they're a manager. Oh, grateful, but, yes. you know, the problem here is, we're doing the work of a senior director and the kind of negotiation necessary between teams, departments, and resources that we get involved with necessitates that title for us to actually do our job, which we're already doing at a lower level and a lower pay because we're supposedly grateful to be here, yep. but don't actually get the recognition for. And that demand of like, well, you a white person and you're going to come in and be like, well, of course you should be a senior director because that's what that work is. Right. Right. There's an assumption there around that gratitude that I think is universal, frustrating, and it's holding back the entire IT industry, if you, if you want my own opinion. Your opinion is spot on. Grateful is it. Other words we hear is, is like, you, the, the, the words we use is, is, is you better be lucky. That that is the feeling we get. You know, you're lucky that you have what you have. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you very much. And 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 I you're spot on. And I think sometimes it's you know that is it is portrayed in that way. Uh, I was telling someone who was part of something the other day is you know like you said Tracy at that manager level and you're doing all those fabulous things. 
you're expected to do all those fabulous things and do them perfectly. Oh yeah. Cause God forbid you make a mistake or, or make a miscalculation. Right. Right. And, 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 and it's, and it's baffling how they could lose sight of all the things that you're doing above and beyond. Like you said, at the senior director and all of that, but will hold the smallest thing over your head to keep you, to hold you back. Happens all day, all day, all day, all day, all day. And sometimes that thing is not even visible to you until the assumption about your work has already been made. It's already made. Yeah. And, and I'll say something too. You know, you know what, you know what pisses me off too in, in the smaller organizations, you know, it's, it's, I start to understand a little bit more, but when you get to some organizations, the person that is holding you back, they act like it's actually their money. And I say that to say, you get to a certain size organization and it's like, dude, you act like I'm asking you to pay me out of, out of your, out of your, out of your checkbook. Like, why are you giving so much resistance so that I can have a decent life? You know what I mean? Like you do, you know what I mean? It, 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 it blows, it blows my mind. And I think it's, it's also, uh, also very deflating when, you know, things happen and it's a slap in the face because we can clearly see, oh, but you did that though. Oh, but you spent money on that. You know, very easy to know what your peers making with up. Oh, but, oh, but they, and, and, and you don't necessarily want to compare to others, but you know, when things get presented to you as absolutely not possible, but you see mountains being moved in other cases. And then you got to come home and say, well, what the fuck am I doing wrong? Yeah. What else? What else? You know what I mean? And the, and the constant well, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do that. Okay. You do those things. Well, you need to do this and you need to do this and you need to do this. I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. You know, uh, 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 very controversial thing I'm probably about to say here, but you know, we look at the black community. A lot of times we'll say amongst ourselves is, you know, white people think sometimes they own the world in every instance. Like, it's like, I'm entitled to this. You're not. Why are you here? You know, or what are you doing in this area? And to your point, if you are there, you better be grateful you're here because you're not even supposed to be here. You know what I mean? Yeah. All the time. I mean, sim simple stuff. I I'm going to be real with you. Simple stuff like, you know, uh, maybe walking down the street and acting like you own the entire sidewalk. Like, oh, okay, we can't mutually slide over for each other. You know what I mean? Or, you know, the whether you decide to hold a door or not hold a door for me. Or if I hold a door for you, say thank you. We was raised to do that. So I hold a door, I'm saying thank you. You know what I mean? It's just so many things. And I don't know if all this is lumped into microaggressions. I think it is. But all these little things that happen on such and such a daily basis that it's just, it, 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 it drives us to do so many things. You know, I know for me, you know, when I was younger and not that much, a little, you know, younger than I am now, I'm not young as a kid, but, you know, suffer from depression, you know, smoking weed was my getaway. Five o'clock, me and my boy, Corey, we had to meet up. 
we, we had to. You know, we were two black men in tech. Two black men in tech at different jobs. And it was like, yeah, what did you deal with? It? Yeah, man, it's fucked up. Yeah, man, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? That, you know, that's what you had to do, you know? And, you know, fighting what is the alternative to be like, okay, now I know I can go another route, you know? It's like, no, don't, don't get into crime. Don't sell drugs. Don't do this. Don't do all of these things. Come on to this side of the world and be a good person. But you only can be a good person up to here. You know what I mean? That's about it, you know? It's, 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 it's an unbelievably weird spot to be in. That really resonates with how I came up in this world. And this is a conversation, by the way, about Black in tech, but I only will add that, like, from my own experience in this world, I never in a million years anticipated living beyond 25. Mm. And when I turned 26, I was like, I, I don't know what to do. Mm. I, I literally had no idea because I was like, live hard live, live, like do all the drugs, do all the things, make all the sort of like, you know, not so legal choices and flame out and die. And that was the conception I had of what my own future is. Yep. And why I'm saying it that way is because it was a crisis for me when I turned 26, but we have this crisis right now for black in America. And that is what is your future? And what I'm hearing you very strongly say is that that future is still not certain. And that future needs to get written in a way that accounts for the past, not ignoring it. Right, exactly. No, exactly right. It's it's not certain. Uh, You know, I think, you know, one of the things and been having some conversations with people is is so many people that are wanting to do things and 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 have you know a better life and uh you know maybe i attribute a lot of things to the social media but so i'm going to attribute to this is you know it really opens people's eyes up of the possibilities. You know, really prior to that, before you really didn't have insight of everybody's life and all the cool things out of it, you knew your little neighborhood or what you knew. That's what you knew, you know what I mean? So it's very much like, you know, that, that there wasn't so much to look up to, you know? And if you wasn't the one that from day one was drilled, go to school, try to get to college and move the fuck away. You know what I mean? All you know is your little four block radius. Well, now that people can see so many things and what's out there, contrary to beliefs, the majority of black America are not just fucking lazy and just want to, you know, collect government shit and not do anything. That is an unbelievable misconception, you know? We want to, and we're seeing the opportunities for programs, you know, whether they're teaching you a trade, skilling, digital literacy, people are seeing those. And people are, you know, starting to navigate a little bit and understanding, okay, what are some things that I can get to? So, so that's improving a little bit, a little bit around awareness. We, we still need to dive deeper into the hood. 
But the the one issue that has, you know, still going to be that bottleneck of that ceiling is if you do all those things, you start to clean yourself up, whatever that looks like, you start to get some transferable skills, whatever. Can you get the job? Maybe. If you get the job, will it be a decent one? You know, if it's a decent one, will you be able to grow? Like, it's still, it, 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 you know, it's like a little bit of hope, but it still looks like you're only going to ever get but so far. It still looks like you got lucky, to use yeah. your own words. Yep, you got lucky. You got lucky to be here. Yep. Where are, you, where are your friends? They're, they're, they're on the corner, right? Like, you should be lucky, you know, or they're here, or they're locked up, or they're, you know, whatever. Oh, you should be lucky. You're good. Well, the, the part of it that resonates with my own experience is at some point that gets internalized. And I have said to myself, like, oh, shit, I am lucky and I shouldn't want for more. And what that means to me is, you know, don't have ambition. Don't get bigger because you're just damn doing great where you are. And that's all you should want for. So, you know, like, that's it, man. Like you got lucky, you landed on your feet. Some of your friends died along the way. Some of your friends are still out on the street turning tricks for money. Mm -hmm. And you are in a house with a wife. Don't want for more. Do not want for more. And I think what you're calling out here is the fact that it's okay for white folks to want for more. Yeah. And yeah. I, it's, it's so interesting listening to both of you talk about that because you're like legends in the respective worlds that you work in. Like you've gotten to places that most people can't even imagine in their careers. And it's not, uh, it's absolutely not luck at all. And so well, I'm listening to this and I, I completely believe what you're saying, but it is so shocking to me to hear that, you, that, that your perspective is that because it, it looks so clearly earned um, just from the outside looking in. And so I don't, I don't know what to say about that, except that is, I'm shocked to hear that. Um, Tracy, we've known each other for years now. Yeah. And, you know, like, um, yeah, yeah, it, it's, yeah, that's, that's shocking. Yeah, and I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I'm trying to figure out, is there some combination in terms of it's earned because we had to fight so hard to get there, to get to somewhere where sometimes it feels like you're not wanted, and then it's the you're lucky you're still here is, is, is you know yeah I, I mean i think i i actually like it doesn't it makes sense when you're saying it it makes sense that it feels like you're lucky so i'm not saying yeah, like yeah, okay. i don't understand it it doesn't make sense what i what i'm saying is that it would never occur to me uh, to think okay. of that way because i and you know um Jarell, from our very first conversation like i know you've you have fought to be authentic, which is why you're where you're at. And Tracy, I'm like, you and I have had conversations. So I know how true that is for you as well. And so I think part of what I'm saying is that it's not luck, it's authenticity that's put you where you are. And it's mm -hmm. still, you're, 
like what I'm hearing you say is that your internal voices still tell you sometimes, hey, it's it's luck or it's somebody else's decision. And 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 actually what it is to the outsider looking in is a force of personality for both of you being authentic and not being somebody else, not letting yourselves be tokenized. Yeah. Not like Tracy, I remember the conversations with you years ago about how you're going to show up and how you're going to dress and what that meant when you were launching your own business and you know that had to be considered and so um you know it's just um yeah i i'm glad to be an alongsider in this conversation which i have almost no relation to all of the, by the way all of the like complete white culture like be yourself has completely worked for me like, the better it goes like it's just so unfair and I just look at that and I'm like geez like it just is just so unfair um and so yeah I don't I, I have almost nothing to contribute to the conversation except to say um thank you for being authentic and to at least if I can be one voice saying your authenticity is why you're where you're at and I, who knows where it's going to take you because being authentic doesn't always end well um and I think that that's that's got to be scary too, right? Um, it's, it's, the future isn't guaranteed on that. Yeah, it's not guaranteed. It's very scary. And it you you wonder when is that fine line of, okay, uh, you're too authentic or, you know, uh, or you're, you're exposing too much or, whoa, you're making people uncomfortable. You're making people, un oh, because right, I'm telling you of how I've been oppressed and what I got to go through. Uh, and and I'm making you uncomfortable. Yeah. What <laughs> you know? Right. Exactly. That's yeah. actually just hit the freaking nail on the head, Darrell. Right there. It's like you're always wondering where have I crossed the line? Yeah. And occasionally, when you have experiences, you know, like I had with a former employer that was like, this was clearly about us being profoundly disquieted with Tracy, not Tracy's work, mm. you know, you're like, great. I crossed the line. And you're like, well, what does that mean for everybody that looks like me after me? What does that mean for me? And, right. you know, what does that mean for like that little box of like rage that I carry all the time? And I think, Tim, what I would say is what you're not seeing is the list of things that you set aside to get where you are, right? Yeah. I have a list of shit that it's like, if I had the space for it, I'd be doing. But yeah. the effort that it takes to get there takes up the space that you get for that set aside list of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. however that looks to a person that that can look like a list of unpursued hobbies that can look like family that can look like a lot of things. Um, you know, in my world, it looked like leaving the LGBT movement behind uh, mm -hmm. because I was like. The two things that I faced was I had people that I had known for years calling me like a sellout because I wanted to go corporate. And at the same time, I knew what that corporate journey looked like and what I had to set aside to get where I wanted to be. Hmm. So like for me, 
one of the set asides is, is I have no real personal understanding of what even the hell then contemporary LGBT movement wants of itself, because it looks like a lot of people to me just clamoring for attention, but I know there's something there, right? And I know how to interface with it because I grew up organizing in it, but what I don't know are why the priorities are being expressed the way they are nowadays. So that's one of my set asides. Yeah. I, I, I want to go back to something you said about crossing the line and, you know, what is that line? Mm. Why is Tracy and I's line different? Like our line is here and somebody else's line further away. So you mean advocating for myself is crossing the line? You mean telling you how I'm uncomfortable is crossing the line? Telling you how I need help is crossing the line? Telling you how this isn't a safe place for me is crossing the line? Like, how is even all of that crossing the line? But it's, 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 that is the mental gymnastics that we play with in our head to say, am I about to cross this line that I'm going to say something just to speak up for myself or to bring awareness that's ultimately going to cause some issues? And, you know, and it's incredibly hard. And, you know, I admire so many times when I meet, you know, a black female that is doing great things in tech or another place, especially tech, because they struggle with the angry black woman um, um, stereotype. So anytime they say something or possibly say it in a tone or be passionate, I ain't gonna say elevate the voice. Just be passionate. Well, she's she's angry and she's making us uncomfortable and she's this, 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 and this. But someone else's line is way further. They can go on a fucking tantrum at work and it's like, all right, calm down. It's okay. We'll uh, take the rest of the day off and come back tomorrow. It'll be okay, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I'm only nodding because I have literally seen that. I have literally seen that Uh, and that kills me because it's like, God forbid I be angry and just say I'm angry, but like I'm watching someone having a full scale, like what are we in high school tantrum (laughs) Mm -hmm. and being told it's okay. That's the price of your innovation. Come in tomorrow. We'll handle it. Right. Like there are different starting lines and different expectations. Darrell, I want to dig into something you just brought up and I'm a little ashamed. I didn't actually think of it earlier. Okay. Talk about safety a little bit. Um, I think that what you just hit upon is a really important concept for folks to understand. And that is what is the safety parameters of the experience of being black in tech and how that safety (laughs) should get created. But also like, there was a few more thoughts you were saying around that. Oh man, Uh, don't let me forget to talk about how things should be created. I don't know, but I'll come up with it on the fly. But when I think of of the, the lack of safety and always going back to that lack of representation and things of that sort, you know, not feeling that as you should be able to 
you know, express, like I said, you know, I have concerns, I have questions, I have different, you don't have that person that you can say it to because either you can say, I'm just thinking or I'm assuming, but off of things that you've already witnessed, you know that they're gonna have a blocker to what you said, you know what I mean? That, uh, you know, uh, they're gonna find ways to point it back at you. And God forbid, you're saying something about one of their peers. Mm. You, uh, you might as well not even start the conversation because it's going nowhere. And that's what I mean about not feeling like you can have that safe place for that person who's really supposed to be there for you and making sure you, you got to have that one advocate. And in most situations, it should be that, you know, direct line manager, but it's oftentimes they're the one who, who had, who's created that unsafe environment for you. So how do you, how do you fix that? You know, organization I worked at one time, you would have thought it was HR. And I went to HR. It wasn't about anything like really, uh, really big or anything. But I went to the HR rep to ask a question. Next thing I know, I'm hearing from my manager. Hello. I thought I posted could go to HR for HR things, but the HR person went and told the manager, and then it comes back to me. Well, damn, I can't. I can't trust HR. That is like incredibly fucked up because that's the system that's supposed to work. That's the system that's supposed to work. And it's like, huh? So, you know, I, I mean, how could it be fixed? You know, especially if there's organizations that truly realize that they, you know, are underrepresented in their, in their workforce. You know, there's, you know, lack of uh, females, lack of black, brown, whatever it is, you know, build some sort of, and I don't even call it, you know, maybe a, a mentorship program, but somehow if, you know, there could be, you know, identified that, that, that safe buddy, you know what I mean? You know, a safe buddy program where, you know, and, and however y'all match to be buddies and all you figure out the logistics of that, but that's someone that I can go to have those conversations with but ultimately too, that person in you know, the, the, the proper channels can then maybe advocate on my behalf. You follow what I'm saying? Because maybe that safe buddy person you know, is at a higher level, I don't know, they're part of DNI, I don't know, wherever that, however that structure is, but maybe at least I can go to somebody who can you know, uh, be that person that can start to open the conversations up for me in a way and, and do things for me. Um, I, and, it, and it's sad that you have to do that. You think, well, you're supposed to, to go to your manager. But I feel like things can get just hitting at those levels. You follow what I'm getting at? I do. Things get really hitting at that level, and there's no, you know, there's no real accountability towards them. You follow what I'm getting at? Um, so because your manager is ultimately out for their own survival, and if they're being accused of being a participant in something that you're describing, which is a structural problem, they can't solve that. Right. So they're like now compromised and thinking like, great, I can't solve this. I need to like hide it for my own survival. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm going to do. At, 
at the sacrifice of you, the employee. Exactly. That's right. Yep. yep. So I mean, I all all of the, all of what we just described is what really leading people in these unsafe environments, and it's like. I just, I just gotta, I just gotta hang on here because at the end of the day, I still need to feed people. You know what I mean? <laughs> Back to, I'm lucky to be here too. <laughs> you know, I, I, I you know, I, I, I just got, I just got to deal with this. And then you go home, and your personal life is to shit. Yes. Because this is on your mind all the time. You're not, you're not having the mental capacity to be with your loved ones like you want to. So. Or- so your, your capacity is filled with shit that from the outside world looks like, why is Tracy drinking so much? Exactly. Or like whatever that thing is, right? Yeah. Like I yeah. sobered up X years ago, but like clearly that was a coping mechanism. It was very right? coping, yeah. And, and, and that looks different for all of us. That was mine. Yeah, right? for, me, for, yeah for me, for me, it was, it was weed. I'll never mm-hmm. forget the day, March 6th. 2011 it was the last day I flushed my last little sack down the toilet. That was the day yep. I quit. But but the thing about it, it wasn't like my life got better. I had to find a little coping mechanism. And for that's me, right. that's when I discovered working out. And I indulged myself in fitness because that was it's still these demons I'm fighting and dealing with. I just had to find a different way, you know, to. To, to do those because the ripple effect, the, the bullshit that you're experiencing, which leads to the alcohol or the drugs or whatever, that then destroys any, you know, like relationships that you may have, you know, significant other, son, daughter, but it, 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 it's destroying all of that. And you know what I mean? And then you're left in this place, this little dark place, y'all by yourself. And it's like, you, you, you start to just be zombie at that point. And yes. it's like, I mean, get up and go to work, do this. And, and there's, there's, you, you lose all motivation, ambition to do more. It's, 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 it's crippling, man. It is so crippling. And uh, a lot of people do not realize how they're contributing to someone's mental state like that. And so many times it is the work environment. That's right. And, you know, to my earlier comment, Tim, I will connect this to one thing. And that is you do something like sober up, you have to find another way. Right. But what that means is that usually adds an item to your set aside list. Like if I wasn't busy sobering up that like 60,000 words in a two book set of the sci-fi novels I wanted to write might be done. Right. So that's the list of set-asides. You're like, no, man, I got to set that aside because this is clearly the next right step for me. And where I think, and this is just my opinion, that leaves a person is however accomplished they may look, that's always a set of like feeling compromised. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, what did I compromise to get here? Um, Jarrell, I wanted to ask you something that this is a topic for me that's like, I don't know, this is like a thorn in my side or craw in my beak, whatever you want to call it. Like safety in the workplace and employee resource groups, ERGs. I have my own critique of ERGs that I'm going to leave unarticulated until I hear like ERGs, 
good thing, bad thing, where do they need to change, improve, or are they serving what they're supposed to be serving in the IT industry? Good, very good thing. And could and I think there's room for some room for some improvement. And very good in terms of having just that sense of community. Like, you know, uh, if you, you know, if you're one of only, you know, black in an apartment of 40, 50, 60, you, you, you're around no one else, you know, and just being able to have that community, even when it's, you know, so much of it now in virtual, it's insane, but, you know, <laughs> virtual happy hours and virtual coffees and all of that. And you get to see other people and then let alone um, be able to do, you know, those in-person events. Um, absolutely great thing. Really critical for hope. Hmm. For saying, oh, I ain't the only one that's going, oh, okay. And, you know, hope in terms of you meet someone in that ERG and maybe they're having a better experience. And there's hope to say, you know what? maybe I can move to another role or I can do something else because, you know, maybe, oh, maybe I'm just in a bad spot. You know, it's, you know, maybe it's not really me, you know? Maybe my manager really is the asshole I think yeah. he is. Right, right, yeah. right, right. So <laughs> That's not you, Tim, by the way. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> so, every day. <laughs> yes. So, so uber critical for that. Love everything about an ERG. I think we're, you know, I think there could be some improvements is ensuring that those ERGs truly have the proper seat at the table, uh, you know, when it comes to employee related decisions at the highest of leadership level. And I'm not talking about we're going to brief the ERG first. Yes, so we it's made like, some decisions. We're going to ask. Oh, yeah. It's like consulted on the giant racy diagram. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we're going to inform you of this first or consult you first. Yeah, this is like at the table, helping shape that policy before the policy is executed. Great. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yes. I mean, ensuring that to the highest degree, like literally, and, and, and you know whether this is happening. I may not know, but I doubt it's happening. But, you know, having all those proper ERGP, like you said, at the table when, when things are shaping. But then I think also, too, is truly, truly, truly ensuring that you have their ear when they need to now bubble up something back to leadership and say, hey, this is what the community is saying. Here, here's what we need to do, you know. And uh, it, it's not happening. I, I, I know that's not happening because if it was happening, then we wouldn't still be talking about these pay gaps, you know, and these and this and, and, and all these things that have been happening. And, you know, we wouldn't have, be, we wouldn't have had to form all these brand new DNI committees and jobs and all these things, you know? So, uh, you know, ERGs is really powerful in having, you know, that unified collective voice. But, it needs to be more of a, that's just an employee network. They got together. We recognize y'all over there and actually have them, you know, uh, uh, really at that right seat of the table. Yeah. If you, if you, back to what I said, if companies lead with valuing their employees more than anything else. Yeah. That's you. Great. Thank you. You hit spot on my critique of ERGs. And I'm like, ERGs is more than a contingent in the pride parade. You know this, yep. right? Yep. Like, yep. And 
I, I, you know, I said this to somebody very highly placed at my old job, uh, my old corporate job. And I was like, all you're telling me is the role that you're taking on is you're going to focus on dumping people as fast as you can into this context with no consideration for how they're landing. And right. that ERGs is going to be the vehicle by which you're going to like help support them. And what I'm telling you is like, that's a lovely and pleasant distraction, but all of those people are going to quit within one year and they're going to quit yeah. angry. Yeah. You know, is that and... base camp? I mean... <laughs> 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 oh, I knew you were going to bring that in somehow. I mean, it's just no. like sitting right there. I did uh, not yeah. work for base camp, but you could also say also, is that Uber? Is that any yeah. one of these things? Cause yeah. I knew the gal who was charged with changing Uber right. and she quit angry in a year. Because yeah. there's there's the notion that this ERG where you can get together with your own people is good enough. And those other two things that you articulated, Darrell, remain unaddressed. And that should be the role of an ERG. That should that should be the role. That hands out should be the role. Like I said, yeah, like I said, just us getting together kumbaya, that is great. But that that should be just more of a uh, uh, a plus to the ERG. You know, the main thing should be those other two things that we talked about. See at the table at the beginning and actually being that 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 vehicle that can bubble up concerns. So yeah. I, I, it's, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, Tim, you brought up base cap. The one thing I want to talk about is, <laughs> I don't know if this is sad or funny and I forgot the guy's role or whatever, but who was the one that that didn't even want to get on the call? It was, and 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 he was. I'm in bed sick. Like, come on now. Like, you have World War Three happening with your at your company. You know what I mean? And what you're showing is that I really don't give two shits about you all, and yep. what you what your concern is, uh, you know, around this racism and whatever happened. That I don't even have a common decent decency to show up you know, uh, on this call. You know what I mean? Like, I, t what I, I didn't even hear about that. Wait, oh, wait, one of the, so, so not the, or David, like one of the top two that was, just yeah, like the, yeah, 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 the, it's one of the top two. So I think it's, which one, which one's the one that just been, Jason is the one that's been saying everything just right. Yeah, yeah. Jason wrote it all. And David's like, you know, David, follows, David, follows okay, yeah, David. I, I, when I read that, because you know, I don't know if you're saying on, they was breaking down the different team meetings and basically like transcripts of of their all hands calls, and the fact that it was like hey, David, you know, didn't even come on camera, or you might have came for a second and said, oh yeah, they said he came on camera for a second in bed. You could see he was in bed and was like, uh, I'm, you know, I'm sick, so I'm gonna go off camera. And was dead quiet the entire all hands meeting while all the fuckery was happening. <laughs> That's one way of dodging a bullet. Well, I mean, dude, you no, might as well not, not even show it up. You might as well. I mean, dodge the bullet. Yeah. I mean, to me, that was more of a slap in the face as to how you thought about your employees and how you valued them to do that. You bet you would have been better off just not even showing up. Yeah. Then that, and then it'd be like I I could really care less of, uh, about you all or what's happening right now. Yeah, I mean, the it's like that sad. Alone, the optics, like you, like, 
like at least pretend at least at least pretend dude at, at, yeah. at least pretend and then you know people bring it up on the call and you know you know begging them to at least you know denounce racism and them not doing it and i you know i, I baffling to me sometimes you know how people and maybe it's not baffling i think a lot of times power starts to get cloud people's judgment in terms of those that put you in power are making sure you remain in power are humans and you know they're all types of humans and back to inviting your employees you need to cater to them if you want to remain in this power situation that, that you want to be in and that is that is just lost so many oh the other thing with that yes hold up hold up hold up hold up so the whole thing around we're going to back away from and and I'm 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 I'm, I'm, I'm just synopsing a little bit we're going to back away from this kind of dni committee and go back to putting all of that under one person in human resources or something like where's the logic behind that? So which is if that is not the epitome of you know this mindset of you know supremacy and and whatever's like we don't need you know to discuss issues and understand where everybody's coming from. We're gonna put the power in one person's hand, and that's how it should and be. And if and if there's a question, then it comes to us and we decide. We decide. Okay, so here, here's what's so sad about that. I, I like this hit my staff, and you can imagine because you've met my staff, mm -hmm. you can imagine how it landed, which was not well. So I was like, this must be really inflammatory. So I, I went and read it, and what scared me a lot is that when I read it, I was like, oh, this totally makes sense. That was my first reaction. I'm just gonna be transparent and say, like, I get it, I understand. And if I had not spent the last five years being like ha wrapping my mind around what, you know, Tracy faces, what Rachel talks about, what Joni and others on my staff have taught me, it would not have connected. I would, I feel like I looked at that and I was like, they have no idea what's coming. Right. They don't know what they just communicated to everybody that decided to work there because they thought it would be different. And then yeah. they just got the the rug and, and connecting out from it under back them. to Durrell, like they thought it would be safe. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Right. Yep. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. I I I think you know a good laugh at base camp might have been a, a good way to kind of well, <laughs> wrap up this chat. I, I that is uh it it was. And I, I stopped following the saga after a while, so I don't even know what's the latest with it, but maybe I need to catch up. It was, it was, it was very much a soap opera, you know, uh, very much so. Well, I yeah. mean, one of the meta messages I'm taking out of this conversation that I think, I don't know, I, I guess what I'm saying is, is I come from a background where I was at times super fucking humbly schooled and just shut the fuck up. Um, mm. And I think the one of the meta messages here is that you know the inadequacies of the current framework have been very well articulated and the truth is is that 
You can't both have an inadequate framework and go to the very people you're bringing into this inadequate framework and say, by the way, can you also solve for this? Right. Right. That is not it. Like the solution is great. You brought people, shut the fuck up and listen in some way, shape or form. And listening is connected to power and privilege and humility that are awful personal and corporate lessons to learn yeah no no uh something you said and i'll say this real quick you was kind of like you know shut up and you said inadequate frameworks which very much put me in the mindset of uh and i don't know exactly where he was going with this but you know for me a little bit of okay you know uh do i do do you be quiet and Mm -hmm. just trust the system but you can't if the framework is inadequate, like you said. So, you you know, it forces you to step out of, because you try. You're like, you know, hey, you know, just, I'm just going to just gonna wait. Things going to get better. I, I'm trusting it. They got my back here. They're going to do this. But when that doesn't happen, you know, that's that's when, pe- that's when people got to stand up. They got to they gotta be vocal. And those that are in power, that's when you need to listen. You know, stop defending and listen. That I think is the perfect wrap. I don't know. Anyone yeah, articulated so. thoughts, Darrell? No, nah, I, I, I think this, that was it. That was that was an awesome conversation. I enjoyed every every second of it. Yeah, thank you, Darrell and Tracy. Can I just thank you again for being authentic? Um, it is so. It's so important. Um, it's so important for uh, those of us that are watching and paying attention. And uh, and we learned so much, um, and it comes at such a high cost. Thank it, you. It, it, yeah, no, you're quite welcome. And I guess I'll leave with this: is you know, I probably can speak for Tracy. Is you know, we're being authentic and hope that you know some things could change, you know, and and hopefully benefit us. But you know, maybe being these vessels and change agent, I think what would bring us much joy is, is at least we're being authentic enough. That that next person coming up and listening, you know what I mean, can Amen. can start can start to see, you know what, I can be authentic too, you know what I mean, and maybe it's their authenticity and their little crew of authentic people that you know gets us all over the hump. We don't know, but we all got to keep showing up in that manner. Amen and hotel. That's exactly. Right. <laughs> no, this is great. I thank you all so much. Such a pleasure talking to you both, Tracy and Tim. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, I love how we just be really open, curse, you can say all types of things. Because these are the honest conversations uh, that need to continue to happen and continue to happen. So thank you. Thank you. All right. I'm Tim Lockie. I'm Tracy Kronzak. And you've been listening to Why It Matters. Why It Matters is a thought leadership project of Now It Matters, a strategic services firm offering advising and guiding to nonprofit and social impact organizations. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, check out our playlists, and visit us at nowitmatters.com to learn more about us.